and welcome to the podcast series, Abide With Me. My name is Talene Saunders, your host for this three-part informational series on death and dying. The goal of this series is to help prepare for end of life. In the book, A Beginner's Guide to the End, authors B.J. Miller and Shoshana Berger point out that only a small fraction of us, 10 to 20 percent, will die without warning. The rest of us will have time to get to know what's going to end our lives. As disturbing as this may be, it does afford us time to live with this knowledge, get used to it, and respond. Death can be a heavy topic, and I encourage you to take a break if you become overwhelmed. Similarly, if you are having thoughts of suicide, there is help. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. episode, I speak with Margaret Barrett concerning the legal and financial side of death. Margaret graduated from William Mitchell College of Law. She's an accomplished lawyer and the owner of Safe Harbor Estate Law, specializing in elder law and estate planning, including wills, trusts, powers of attorney, and estate administration, including probate. Her mission is to help clients achieve their estate goals through counsel, strategic planning, and advocacy. Hello, Margaret. Thank you so much for agreeing to lend your voice to this podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Talene. It's an honor. The first question I'd like to ask is, how do you want to be remembered? I love that question. I would like to be remembered as a person who is kind and loving and grateful and hardworking, uh, someone who sees the best in others, who adds value to people and makes the world a better place, someone who can forgive herself when she makes mistakes and forgive others, and someone who perseveres through trials, which a lot of people have. And all of this, I rely on my faith in God because I believe I'm here to share his love with the world. And I really like that because it totally ties in with my firm, Safe Harbor, because we help people go from the storms of life into the safe harbor of protection, which comes from Psalm 117. And so it just fits. That sounds so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Why do people put off estate planning? Why? What is it that's keeping us from already knowing what you do? It's a great question. It's so easy to do. You know, 75% of people don't have an updated, complete estate plan, right? A lot of people have little bits and pieces, but it is so easy to put off. And some of the reasons that we've heard are they don't want to think about getting sick and dying. People um, don't really understand the problems that might happen if they don't have an estate plan, and they don't know the benefits, like how it could really help them reach their goals. So they, it's, it's confusing, and they don't know where to start. And once in a while, people even admit they don't think it's that fun to talk to attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> and I know where that comes from. Um, I mean, I joke and say I don't, but I do. And for, for sometimes that can be really hard. Uh, Also, people are busy. They got a lot on their plate. And you just don't really have the bandwidth to go and take on something that's kind of foreign for you. 
And okay, the last reason I can think of, um, people have some tough decisions to make and they're not sure like who to name or who to leave their money to. And, and they, so they put it off because there's just one piece of it maybe that is really hard. What is estate planning? If you had to describe estate planning, I've heard that talked about. I know that I should have an estate plan. I know my parents should have an estate plan, but I don't really know what it is. What we mean by estate planning is getting the legal paperwork together and a whole plan for if you get sick and when you pass on. That's really what it is. It's making things go smoothly, go the way you want, saving money, and not leaving a mess for your family. What is the difference between a will and a trust? Because I think those are things that I've heard go into estate planning. You are so right. A will is the main document that often comes into play when you die. It's, you don't use it before you die, but once you die, you're stuck with what you got. In the will, you're going to name somebody who, to handle your money and legal things, and you're going to say where the money goes. That's the main point of a will. And wills are designed for probate, so a lot of people think, well, if I have a will, I don't have a probate, but they're actually designed for probate. With careful planning and all the right circumstances, you can avoid probate with a will, but often you do have it. So that's the will, and that's the basic thing everyone should have, at least a will. And then secondly, the trust. This is my favorite estate planning tool because it's very powerful and flexible. It's different because it is effective when you sign it. You don't have to wait till you die, but then it outlives you and it goes on after you die. So it has benefits while you're alive, and after you die, you're still going to name the person who's handling your money and where your money goes to. They have lots more flexibility with how that money, where it goes. <laughs> okay, I heard two things in that explanation, and in both of those, you need to name a person. Mm-hmm. How do you go about choosing who to name? There's a, a number of different roles And we provide our clients with some instructions and kind of um, hints about that uh, further because sometimes it's just not obvious. Some some people it is. But for example, the person you name in your will to be personal representative, used to be called executor, or in your trust to be trustee, that would be someone, first of all, that you really trust. (laughs) Second of all, that is good at finances and legal things, who doesn't mind the paperwork, who can handle it, and who are they're going to um, follow your wishes and act in your own best interests. That's the best person. Then you also think about things are, are they healthy or, you know, are they going to outlive you? And so we always say add at least one backup, maybe two, because you want to have backup plans so you don't have to redo your papers in five years if something unexpected happens. You can also consider professionals who are paid if you don't have anybody to pick. And we help people with that too. So it sounds like one thing we want to avoid is a lengthy probate process. What is probate? So you know, Tulane, the expression, you cannot take it with you? Right. Right. We all have heard that. And so when you die, you still have assets in your name. And they need to get into someone else's name. And so how do you do that? There's actually four ways. Um, Two are kind of automatic. Like if you put, let's say your spouse is joint on your home. If, if you die, he's going to own it, Tulane. And then a beneficiary designations, if you named your spouse in your retirement account, it's going to get transferred to him, okay? 
But if those automatic things aren't in place, which they won't be in place for everything probably, um, then the probate is the court process where you transfer assets from one person who owns it to whoever is going to get them. What are common mistakes that undermine people's plans? You know, I love that word undermine, Colleen, because I actually use that word when I give my presentation about estate planning, my, my most popular presentation. First of all, mistakes are to not have your documents drafted by an estate planning attorney and mm-hmm. then have them be up to date. Okay. So first of all, get the documents in good shape. But even when the documents are in good shape, there's more mistakes. And most people don't know about these. So your assets need to line up with your wishes in the documents. And that means like how your house is titled, who's the beneficiary on your accounts. Those things are going to override what your will and trust says if, if those assets are outside. I've had clients come. I didn't do their estate plan. They had a trust and they didn't have much money but a house, but the house wasn't in the trust. So we had to have a probate. And all we needed to do was a deed to get it in trust, but it was too late So instead of a $250 deed, we had like a $4,000 probate and a hassle. One mom had a beneficiary designation to her four daughters, and she died. And tragically, one daughter died like two months before her, and one died a month and a half after her. Well, this was a CD at a local bank, and you would think that the CD would still go four ways. That's what the beneficiary said. I want these to go to my four daughters. If they die before me, it goes to their heirs. Nope. They had a provision in the CD nobody knew about that said anybody, any beneficiary who dies before you gets nothing. So the daughter who died just before her, her, her kids get nothing. And the daughter who died after her, they got their share. And it was not what she wanted. That's an example of where, and actually in that case, the beneficiary designations were right. But because they were relying on the will instead of a trust, uh, it went the wrong way. So there, there's things like that that happen all the time. That sounds like something you learn from experience, and hopefully it's somebody else's experience that a lawyer can teach you from rather than your own experience. Yeah, I've learned a lot. So we help people also after someone dies, and I always learn more and more about how to do a great estate plan. So so what you want to look for in an estate planning attorney, one of the things is they don't just get the documents right. They help you and instruct you and coach you to get the assets right. Otherwise, there are some attorneys who are accused of purposely planning it so you have a probate because they make more money on the probate. So what property can go into a living trust? Generally everything, but there's a few things that don't. What doesn't go in is your life insurance because you can't cash that out and put it in your trust while you're alive and your retirement accounts because if you cash those out and put it in your trust, you'd have to pay all the taxes. So uh, those two things never go in the trust while you're alive. This is a living trust we're talking about. But like your house, any real estate, your cabin, your bank accounts, uh, your investments, and you actually sign a piece of paper saying your personal property and your car and stuff goes in there. Um, You can put your business in there. So anything, really, except for those two that you mentioned. Except for the two that don't make any sense. Yeah. Okay. You don't always put all of it in there, but normally you do. Okay. Does a living trust avoid estate and probate taxes? In Minnesota, we have estate taxes. And it, it, the estate taxes only if you have at least $3 million in your estate. So if you have more than $3 million in your estate and you're married, 
there's a really cool thing you can do with a trust, and you can double it to six so that each spouse gets $3 million. And on the federal level, each spouse gets over $11 million, so that, that's a lot. So most of our clients are not in that, that area. They don't have to worry about it, which is good news. <laughs> um, as for the probate, um, the probate fees in that, yes, trusts are great for avoiding probate. Fantastic. As long as you know what we help you do this, but you get the assets in the trust. The trust is like a basket, and you put the assets in the basket, and that governs what's in there. And so then you're good, and you'll avoid probate fees. Something that I've encountered when I've been doing work in a nursing home or a hospital um, as a chaplain, I've noticed that people have advanced care directives, which we always encourage people to have. But a lot of people don't understand the difference between an advanced care directive and power of attorney. What are the differences there? Both of them are about while you're still alive and when you can't handle your own affairs, okay? So they cover what we call incapacity, which just means you can't handle your money or you can't make your healthcare decisions. So the advanced directive for healthcare, you're gonna appoint somebody to make those decisions with backups, like we talked about, and you're gonna give some general directions about what you want. Um, The power of attorney then is for money. So that person that you appoint and the backup people are going to be able to pay your bills or handle your affairs. They can do a lawsuit for you if they need to. There's a number of things they can do. File your taxes. If you lose capacity before you die, it could be temporary. It could be permanent. Actually, a lot of a high percentage of the population will. So this is these documents will come into play. If you don't have them, it's way more expensive and a bigger hassle to go to court and get somebody appointed to be your guardian or conservator. Can you appoint more than one power of attorney? Yes, you can appoint more on these. Also, you can appoint more than one at the same time. So who should I bring with me into your office? Well, if you're married, bring your husband. Okay, bring your spouse. Because um, except in some rare circumstances, we really want to do the plan for the spouses together because of how the laws are. The laws, you're intertwined. And we want to have the input of both of you and have both of you hear everything. So that's important. A lot of times with, especially with elderly people, um, they will bring in a family member or it could be someone with special needs, maybe slight special needs. They, they want family members to come in or sometimes even a close friend. And we are really open to that because a lot of times this is a person who's going to be appointed and going to handle their affairs and if they understand the paperwork that's better you know we want to help them understand it i just want to let you know that the ethical rules require us in each meeting to spend a little time alone with the actual client so if you brought your mom in you know that would be good but we're going to spend some time alone with her and it's to protect her and you and us because if you made the appointment and called and re, you know interviewed me and brought me in and I don't know if you have siblings but they could say well gee how come you got appointed and you're the one that did all this work maybe you were kind of influencing mom so we do what we can to minimize that and just spend some time alone and make sure she understands she's the client you know what are your wishes do you have anything you want to tell me while we're alone and so I just don't want you to feel put out if we ask you to step out of the room for a few minutes How does estate planning help with assisted living? Anybody who's, 
I would say at least 50 or older, should think about getting an estate planning attorney who also does elder law like we do. Because it, these issues about moving into places where you get care or even having care in your house, you know, paying for care or paying a loved one for care, it does affect what's in your estate plan documents. So if you run out of money, Talene, the good news is medical assistance is there. That's what's going to pay for your care. And you got to qualify and follow their rules. Their, their rules are complicated and there's a five-year look back. So you got to follow them five years before you even apply and no one knows what they are. So, I mean, a few people know, but most people don't know. And we know that. So we know the rules. So while I'm preparing the plan, I would be watching for these issues and be able to answer questions Uh, things to look for. We're kind of coming to the end here and I've really learned a lot from you. But my question is, why can't I just download estate forms from the internet? (laughs) Oh gosh. Okay. So um, the risk, okay. I just think the risks are so too, so high because what really happens once you're, you lose capacity or pass away, you can't fix the documents. It's, it's too late. Okay. So you're really, taking a high risk that you don't know the quality of this document until it's too late. And so when that happens, you know, you, you first of all, hadn't had somebody like sit down and really get to know you and your goals and that and develop that custom plan. They are absolutely not going to help you get your assets lined up. You can't like call them with a phone call. Your family can't, you know, you don't have somebody who's checking in with you and, you know, without charging, you know, from time to time and checking and see if anything needs to be updated. You just will most likely miss out on many of those benefits that I said. I mean, I've heard nightmare stories about them. We've done some probates for some of those documents. One of those, I won't say the name of the company, a couple years ago, you could go on and get a will and they never asked how much money you had which is absolute malpractice because you might be have a taxable estate and you have a totally different plan. I actually, to be honest, see more problems with wills that are drafted by attorneys who don't specialize in estate plans because more people do that. So maybe now the people who are doing the online wills now, they didn't die yet. So if I'm going to come in and have an appointment with an estate law attorney, what are some things I can expect? What should I bring and how long is it going to take? For us, we don't expect you to bring a lot of documents. Some of them have you fill out a big, huge organizer and bring all your documents. We say, like, if you want to bring them at that appointment, you can, but you don't have to. What you could expect with us is we're going to have a pleasant conversation, just kind of finding out what brings you in, what's in your mind, what, you know, why do you really want to do this plan? What are your goals? Tell me about, it's confidential, by the way. Tell me about your finances, your health, your family relationships, all that. So we can really understand where you're coming from then we're going to educate you like okay basically you can choose a will plan or a trust plan and there's a testamentary trust too but anyway mostly just will and trust and we can explain to you the pros and cons for both based on what you told us so we want you to feel educated and empowered to make a decision then if you decide you know we decide we're going to work together going forward we put it in writing and we have a diagram So you want an attorney who's going to really listen, ask the questions, educate you, and explain the process, explain the cost, answer your questions. So you know what to expect each step of the way. Then you can decide what you want to do, and then you can move forward. So what if people can't afford a lawyer? What are some places they can go? Oh, yeah. um, This is tough 
maybe legal aid. Um, I, I do wills for people that come through cancer legal care. So uh-huh. there, there's some pro bono operations. There's will for hero, wills for heroes. But for most people, I think it's worth it to have a couple meetings, you know, at least one, but, you know, a couple or three with different attorney's offices and see, because rarely, but I have occasionally told people, I know you don't have much money. Let's just do the power of a healthcare and, and um, power of attorney in healthcare and then do the, you know, we'll skip the will. Uh-huh. But usually they're still going to save money by having the will. Volunteers of America has an elder law place over in Minneapolis on Central Avenue that might do them for a reduced fee. Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you. And if I wanted to get more information about Safe Harbor Estate Law or about working with you in particular, Margaret, how would I get in touch with you? Well, uh, safeharborestatelaw.com. And I have something for the listeners today because I really, or whenever day you listen, <laughs> I really appreciate everybody who takes the time to listen to this. So if you go to the website, safeharborestatelaw.com, and you click on the free resources tab, there's yes. uh, 10 questions to ask an estate attorney. So if you want to start interviewing, you, know, you can get on the phone and call a few different offices, and we would love to have you call us <laughs> and ask these questions. And that, I think, will help you feel more confident because a lot of times people don't know where to start and maybe answer some of your questions, I hope. We want to add value, like I told you, to everybody who listens. So I hope this was valuable. Absolutely. This has been so helpful. And I appreciate you giving us the background, the overview, and also letting us know what we need to do in the days ahead. I appreciate that. Thank you. This podcast is a ministry of Augustana Lutheran Church in West St. Paul, Minnesota. They can be found online at Augustana.com. A special thank you to my friend, Paul D'Amico Carper, who played the hymn at just the right tempo. This podcast was recorded and edited by Marshall Saunders at the studios of Minnesota Podcasting. They can be found online at mnpodcasting.com.